Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss an annual, X-Men Annual number 14, the uh, 1990 on sale, May 29th of 1990, cover price of a $2 annual. So it got a page count of 64. We're not going to talk about just one annual, Adam. We're going to talk about four annuals. Yeah, this is part four of Days of Future Present. This one's titled "You Must Remember This," but we're going to talk. We got we got to cue the listeners into what what brought us here. Right. If this is part four of four, what happened in parts one, two, and three? Interesting. There was a uh, there was a snafu with publishing apparently because part three comes before part two due to a publishing snafu. But as I was reading it, and the little blurbs were telling me. Part three comes before part two. I was like, not really. <laughs> I'm confused. It's very confusing. Are you talking about the new mutants issue? Because I think there's a big apology letter up front. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Rob Liefeld was busy and somebody else was busy. And so you have three artists and four inkers and two writers or something ridiculous. And it shows. Yeah, it, it kind of jumps around from being uh, good to being not so good. Which is, you know, that's like comics. So as I recall, I owned some of these issues, but not all of these issues. And I don't even know if I owned the X-Men issue. I'm pretty sure I opened or I owned the I'm pretty sure I owned the X-Factor annual. And that might have been the only part of these four. So I was wildly confused as to what was happening. Yeah, and it never ended. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, you know, you you see this banner, Days of Future Present, and immediately you're like, oh my gosh, it's tying in with Days of Future Past, which it does, but nowhere near to the dramatic level that Days of Future Past does, in my opinion. I'm going to mention this up front because I'm going to forget. Uh, I have this in, I read this from the Epic Collection of Fantastic Four, and at the back of the, uh, of the, uh, the book has a bunch of articles about the Fantastic Four and Days of Future Present and whatnot. And there's like a little quote that I thought was interesting here, if I can find it. Um, it talks about what Days of Future Past is. Showed a future in which mutants hunt, in which mutants hunt mutants, and death is the only real escape. In this summer's mutant annuals, with the Fantastic Four included, and uh, Franklin Richards finally reaches the 20th century. Not the Franklin Richards we know as a member of Power Pack. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. It kind of summarizes what's going on. And at the end, it says, Days of Future Present sets the stage for mutant wars coming this fall. What? Which is interesting. So we so far know mutant wars, I think, based on some of the teasers we've seen in various readings uh, as kind of like, well, different factions of mutants coming together to, to have a battle of some sort that has uh, lasting changes throughout the Marvel Universe. Is that about right? Yep, and we're, we're getting, uh, it's much like chess, no, some other better game. Um, <laughs> we're getting a bunch of uh, teams that are configuring for this all-out mutant extravaganza war. Sort of. It's going to be super exciting. The, and we'll go, we'll have to somehow tie it back to the what you just read because I don't, I read all four of these issues. I don't remember much of them, but what I do remember is not factions forming out of 
what, 256 pages of comic? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose there's some backup stories, but still, it's a lot of pages. From what I can tell, this doesn't set up anything. No. Except now that I'm thinking about it, maybe one thing. Okay. A future faction? Yeah, it's possible that everything that this sets up just never, never paid off on it. I could see that. Okay, so we've got we've got the Shadow King, we've got X Men, X Factor, we've got were, were they trying? The new What's that? We've got Cable and the New Mutants. Yep. Was Mutant Liberation Front ever supposed to be a part of that? Because we've been teased that this for for a few issues, we've just not seen them yet. Yeah, we don't really know what they are. I think that spills into X Force eventually, mm. and by then Chris Claremont's been booted yeah. out. And then you've got. Um, are they trying to bring back? marauders i couldn't i can't remember how this there was like four factions and the only two that i'm remembering is shadow king and i feel like the mutants but i also thought that there was an idea that some of these mutant teams were going to like turn on one another maybe uh we also got excalibur they're gonna somehow be involved mm-hmm. and probably uh freedom force oh right and maybe maybe that was supposed to be the culmination of the mutant children's story Oh yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a it's a good seed to have in there where we've incubated these mutant children, and now they will do our bidding and fight our war. You've met Freedom Force, but you've not met Freedom Force Pack. That doesn't set. <laughs> that doesn't set sound like something that Chris Claremont would do, though. But you know, that maybe would be like a Louise 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 Simonson part of it, because yeah. she's the one who's been peppering all the hints about the children, whereas Chris Claremont, who usually is more than happy to jump on anybody else's uh, crumbs parade uh, has not actually done anything with that. Mm, no. I um, can't remember which one of these issues. I think it may have been the new mutants one, but this whole days of future present thing, I think is the brainchild of Louis Simonson. Based on these four issues, I'm going to say Chris Claremont, didn't have very a whole lot to do with this. I, I'm gonna, I give him credit. I think he figured. Uh, I think he finished the series strong. I agree. <laughs> uh, here it says it in uh, New Mutants, so part two of four, which was released <laughs> third in the sequence. So nobody knew this until half the series was over. Uh, Wheezy. Uh, it all started so innocently. Wheezy Simonson's plot for the once and future mutant uh, was all done. Blah 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 blah, uh, which was to become this issue. Then all heck broke loose and all the artists caved in. Shame. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, a, a future faction uh, w- would be interesting uh, because we do, we get introduced pretty quickly to a new character. Uh, in fact, he's on the cover. Uh, he's on the cover of X Factor. Is he on the cover of Fantastic Four? He's on the cover of Fantastic Four. Yeah. And this is the, um, what's his name? Ahab. He's Ahab, but he's like the hound master. Yeah, so he's he's a new character that actually I'm gonna look it up. Does he ever show up again? Or is this just a one time thing that was a terrible idea and nobody ever bought into it again? So I wanna know. Does this guy we're kind of spoiling it. Okay, so he does show up in Excalibur later. So he doesn't completely disappear off the face of the planet. Ahab matters. To the story or, or to like future stories? Neither. Oh, <laughs> so I, I know we're we'll, we're going to jump around a little bit because a lot of this doesn't really matter all that much until we get to the X Men story. But so so Ahab is 
the the hound master. So in the future, we all we already know that Rachel Summers is a hound. In the future, she's got the spiky suit. She's got the the face markings when she goes into hound mode. And uh, her her job, she was rounded up by sentinels, I guess, and she was uh, uh, charged with her psychic abilities to hunt down her fellow mutants. And this story, part of this story, tells, I guess more about that. Ahab was like the master of all of the hounds. I guess maybe trained them or gave her missions or something like that. The interesting is that in Days of Future Past, we actually see the future. In this, we don't see it at all, which is maybe why they kind of bring the future into the present, which I guess is why Days of Future Present sort of makes sense for this, although it's still pretty a clunky title. I don't know. Days of Future past wasn't called days of future future (laughs) i mean so maybe that's the thing that's kind of disappointing is for me anyways is that i wanted to like if we're going to have a title called days of future present i want to see more of that future dystopian um uh, society and i think you do get a little bit of it not not like the horse drawn buses and sentinels hunting down mutants i think you get a little bit of the lead up though i think you see like yeah, you see 10-year-old Rachel and 10-year-old um, uh, kid. Franklin? Franklin, yeah. You see some yeah, of that. We do, we do see them. But it's again, it's because he brings them into the present. Yeah, so the, the whole thing kind of kicks off when adult Franklin shows up. Yeah, so I took some notes so mm-hmm. to, get us, to get us through these things pretty quickly. Uh, Fantastic Four Annual number 23, the FF return to Four Freedoms Plaza discover that it's been transformed back into the Baxter building, which was news to me. I didn't ever realize there was a, there was a difference. I thought it was the same thing. Uh, they meet the FF incarnation from the sixties. They fight. They're taken prisoner by the old FF who have an adult son version of Franklin, which is where we first meet, uh, old Franklin. Young Franklin is terrified by old Franklin and old Franklin freaks out when Sue says something about, how this is like a dream, and then he leaves. We'll see a lot of that. Is it very, uh, very happens quite a bit? Franklin shows up, Franklin disappears. We get a cut scene of Rachel hanging out with Megan. Uh, she feels Franklin's presence and takes off. We get a cut scene of Banshee and Forge walking around New York City when Franklin shows up and say, "Hey, you guys are my old teachers, but you're not old enough." And they, 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 they're dead. And then he disappears again. And then uh, we we get to see Ahab for the first time. Apparently he's in stasis and a robot voice detects Franklin and brings him out of stasis to deal with Franklin, which makes me think that Ahab is there only to deal with Franklin. Uh, so, go ahead. yeah, no, does he uh, does he time slide back to the he's from the future? Ahab, yeah. Well, they don't they don't describe it as from the future yet. They describe it as like you sure? between okay. the between the here and now. So I think which fan- is a thing fan- that they're using a lot. Sure, Fantastic Four is setting up a mystery, I guess, that the rest of the issues sort of knocked down. Yeah, I, I believe so because they don't even give Ahab's name at this point. Mm-hmm. He's just some dude. Uh, Franklin goes to hang out with Power Pack. And uh, no one there realizes that he's old. They all think that he's little Franklin. So he's clearly doing some sort of mind manipulation. Uh, The Fantastic Four are trapped in the Four Freedoms Plaza. And Frank uh, Reed thinks that he has to unlock 
young Franklin's powers to solve this particular future Franklin conundrum. And we learn that Reed has set up um, some blocks inside of Franklin's head to prevent him from having the full use of his powers. We also see uh, Forge's really large gun and crazy large cowboy hat. As you would have. <laughs> and and Banshee uh, is buff. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, drawn a little bit differently by different artists. Um, they all get attacked by robot drones, and that's when uh, Banshee and Forge show up. They exchange notes about the different versions of Franklin that they saw. The FF survives. He's probably with the powers. They go pick him up. Old Franklin sees the X-Factor ship, thinking that ain't right, makes it disappear. And then he disappears himself. And I didn't even notice this until I was flipping through it a second time. He just looks off in the distance. He sees a building, and then he makes it disappear. That structure. That isn't right. Yeah, I liked it. Um, But then it shows up again in a a few panels later. So I'm not really sure what happens. I don't think it shows up in a few, because that's the end of the issue where he makes it disappear. Isn't the last panel also the... uh, Oh, you're right. You're right. So I'm not sure why it's back when he makes it disappear. But if you... But, I mean, this ties in with X-Factor Annual 5, which is the one that is part three, where we... It starts out immediately in X-Factor... Or uh, X-Factor are inside the uh, ship, and Franklin is outside of it, and Franklin has that same line, this isn't right, and he makes it disappear. And so all of X Factor also, uh, because they're they're no longer in a structure, uh, fall to the ground. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's interesting to note, um, you know, if you're following the Fantastic Four, is is Thing is Ben Grimm. He's not actually the Thing. So he's just like hanging out with Fantastic yeah. Four, and he's got a gun. That's like the only thing he does. And he talks he, about like, oh, if they hurt Franklin, I'm gonna be so angry. He provides a lot of commentary. You know, he's there to explain what's going on and, you know, say, hey. And and uh, he's also dating Miss Marvel, who is currently the Rocky version of the thing. Right. Not Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel. No, this is Sharon. Somebody. Friedlander, I believe. Uh, no, definitely not Sharon Friedlander. Sharon. She's, she's from she's on Muir Island. Oh, too many Sharons. <laughs> All right. The backup story in Fantastic Four uh, annual here has a, a story about Volcana, who who astute listeners will remember from Secret Wars 1 and 2. I remember her from Secret Wars 2. So, yeah, I guess I do remember her from Secret Wars 1. She I didn't read any of the backup stories. Oh, it, so. it has nothing to do. I mean, I guess there's a picture of Volcana shooting Wolverine, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the X-Men. The only thing I found interesting about this backup story, I didn't, I just kind of skimmed through it. Um, there was a follow on to Secret Wars 2 where Owen Reese, the Molecule Man, and the Beyonder were merged into a cosmic cube. Yeah, I think I discussed that. Oh, you might have. Bri- I think I discussed it super briefly. Okay. Well, that was that was interesting. And then it goes on to become a volcano story where she turns into rock and eh, just like following some of these characters that we don't get to see very often. Other than that, it's not very interesting. It turns out that the Beyonder was a cosmic cube that lost a chunk of its part, and that part ends up being the Molecule Man. Oh. So I don't know if they ever undo that or whatever, but mm. it was a very weirdly memorable story. 
And that takes us to what? New Mutants Annual number six? So, I mean... Or X-Factor Annual number five? So, so we're in X-Factor Annual five right now. And I think these kind of happen at the same time because... Like I said, the the Fantastic Four split up into two teams and one goes to X-Factor Annual 5 and the other goes goes to New Mutants Annual 5. So, I don't know where the where the where the cutoff is, but it seems like clearly um you know, Franklin is outside of the X-Factor building at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, we might as well figure out what happens there. Uh the couple of we, things that I found interesting in this issue uh, first, I don't think we knew this, but uh, Scott's son, Christopher Nathan Charles Summers, I believe that's his full name. We, we do get the full name in the X Factor or in the X Men annual. Oh, okay. Yeah, and somebody enunciates Nathan, which yeah. is like, ooh, is that, does that mean something? <laughs> um, he can generate a force field if he's in danger. Right. So he, when the, when the building disappears, um, he, they're all dropping from the sky, and he has this force field. And Jean Grey attempts to protect him with her telekinetic shielding, but his force field is so awesome that it goes right through her telekinetic shielding. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting little factoid that I don't uh, know that I knew about, and I certainly guess didn't connect the dots that it was. I think it was revealed here. I don't think we've ever seen this force field before. I think we've seen it in, in X Factor. Okay, that could be. Um, I feel like he had it when he was in that the gold mutant thing where he was on. In, they were underground and he was protecting himself. Maybe I thought he had like a. Are you talking about when they were on the the alien planet? Uh, no, it was before no. that. the The two part story oh, that was like the yeah, mutant yeah. that was created by yeah, a fan. Maybe I think yeah. it, I think that's where I first saw it. I don't okay. know if. I don't remember it ever being in the one where they were in space, but I don't remember a lot about that story. <laughs> uh, so we get some more from Ahab. We learn a little bit more about him, and he, he gathers up some hounds to go after Franklin. Uh, we get Ben Grimm, Miss Marvel, Human Torch, and Forge. They're on the search for Franklin. They see that the X-Factor ship is gone, so they go to investigate, and they find X-Factors at the bottom of it. Forge and Gene reconnect, which is kind of cool. Sort of. I mean, it, it, I don't know if they're trying to continue on this whole Forge Gene thing. But, I think so. But they definitely like everybody else is kind of like shaking hands and, and it's just kind of intermixed. Whereas Gene and uh, Forge are are holding hands like in a way that you would do to like, a, I guess, a friend you haven't seen in a while. It's like, oh, grab their hands and say, oh, it's so nice to see you again. They're buddies. They're like, hey. It's been a long time, and I really missed you. Yeah, but I'm, are they still trying to push this, like, well, Gene is not marrying Cyclops, and maybe there's an interest between Forge and Gene? It's a little intrigue. You know how mm, it is. I suppose. And then you get and, a super awesome uh, portrait of Iceman and Human Torch teaming up. They're doing the Predator yeah. uh, handshake. <laughs> and based on these muscles, I think Human Torch is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the two, of the pair. That's what it looks like, yeah. Yeah, he's got much bigger muscles. <laughs> we also get a little side scene where uh, Cyclops is like, I don't like that Forge guy. Nah. Does he say that? Yeah, he says, I knew a while oh, back oh. one of his inventions robbed a teammate of her, her powers. Right. And Ben Grimm's like, come on, give him a chance. He's an X-Man now, and we need the guy. Yep. 
So they they head off. They split up into two more teams because splitting up is awesome. Uh, (laughs) Rachel, the teams, the teams that are split up. So so Cyclops and Jean are on opposite teams, and Jean is with Forge, Beast, and and Human Torch. Maybe Angel too. Uh, Angel is on the. I don't know which team Angel is on. He's on the team that Iceman's on. Okay. So we'll figure out what they do later. Not now we're gonna. Let's cut over to uh, New Mutants Annual Number Six, because I believe all of this takes place, and then we'll cut back to X Factor Annual Five. Or that doesn't make sense. Uh, oh yeah, New, New Mutants did come first. Okay. Cr- cr- chronologically, although I think you're right. I guess I don't know the so at the beginning of New Mutants Number New Mutants Annual Number Six, Franklin shows up at a destroyed mansion. But I don't know if it's descriptive as to whether or not this takes place before or after X-Factor's ship has been disappeared. Because it's already been um, de- you know, determined that Franklin can kind of zap in and out whenever he wants to. I'm assuming it's after just because, I don't know, because well, we already covered that bit. <laughs> right. A lot, sure. A lot of things are going to happen here. And then some of the, I think the end of X-Factor picks up as this story ends or something like that. Yeah, uh, so, so the end of X factor, all of the people from this issue show up. Right. So, so, so clearly this is happening. I feel like it feels like it happens in the middle. Yeah. Of that issue. So he shows up and, um, he's got like he a shows super... up at Xavier's, uh, we didn't say where Xavier's school for, uh, mutants and stuff. Well, I said destroyed mansion. Well, you know, it could be anything. That's true. The Avengers Mansion has been destroyed before, but why would future Franklin go there? Apparently, the Fantastic Four Mansion has been destroyed. Who mm-hmm. knows? So, yeah, it's the Xavier School for Mutants and stuff. Franklin's got uh, a super cool uh, blue and yellow X-Men outfit. He does. He takes the remains of the uh, the school and rebuilds it into a working, fully functioning uh, school again with wanted posters and death mutants written in... Uh, spray paint on the sides of it so this is like the 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 version of the school that is from his future there's like uh air air defense turrets on on the top of the mansion it's pretty cool and yeah he does i don't know why he wears an x-men costume um he wears a current x-men costume and then he switches to like the future x-men costume Uh, so i guess he must have worn both or something i don't know because he's like there wearing his normal clothes that's better wearing a classic x-men outfit and with the thought, he alters his costume, and in his heart, he goes home, and now he's in a future X-Men costume. So I don't know if it's two different artists, or if we're just showing the transition between modern we're to showing future. the transition, but that okay. doesn't make sense. Doesn't really. But whatever. It's a cool costume. I like it. We get to see the future X-Men, so if they're all dressed like this future uh, Franklin, then I guess we'll know for sure. It's got chaps, it looks like. <laughs> Um, then we get another sequence with future Ahab. I'm guessing he's in the future. Uh, he's got he's got hounds. He's got there's a bunch of well at least one there's drones and then one hound that's got like the classic uh, Rachel red spiky hound costume. And the mohawk. They describe it as a secret complex at a nexus where the present and future meet. Oh, so. yeah. Because there's so. a reason why, if the X-Men have altered the future from the events of Days of Future Past, how Ahab could could be. 
but they still keep it really vague. Yeah, very vague. But that's okay. Um, I mean, my my assumption is that like they altered the timeline, but they didn't alter it enough. Sort of Terminator Two sort of thing. And I feel like through the reading, what I gathered was um, somehow <laughs> uh, they like shortly after Kate had time slid back, they sent Ahab to this limbo outside of time somehow uh, so that he could monitor events and could go back alter alter the past and apparently he's waiting for franklin to show up in the past or maybe that's just one of many uh possibilities yes it's vague it was plausible like from from a comics logic i was like okay i buy it (laughs) i don't know i don't know how future technology sends you to like a time bubble but whatever it's cool so we get the new mutants uh working out in the danger room as we we know that they're they've made their base underground the mansion uh, they complete a session, and then the Franklin's future X-Men show up, and they think it's another session. And they're all like, what the heck, Cable? Why didn't you tell us that we were going to have to do this session? It's a real jerk move. So the future X-Men are four people we don't know. No, sorry, three people we don't know. Uh, Franklin, Rachel, and <gasps> shocker, Doug. But Doug. it's... it's <laughs> It's uh, it's different, Doug. Doug Ramsey, we learn, is not uh, connected to Warlock. He's, he's not actually connected he's, to Magus. Yeah, he's not Douglock. He's he's Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> yep. But when he first shows up, he's all smiley, and everyone's like, "Hey, look, it's Doug!" And he's like, "I'm not Doug. I'm Magus." And he he he's uh, he goes all Magusy. I'm not Doug. Although nothing mentioned about Magus wanting to kill Warlock. No. Just. Which is odd. Um, wow, look at all of the uh, spiky, like, knuckle things that Cable has on his arm. He's got, like, four <laughs> four collared spikes on one arm. It's a lot of gauntlets. That's impressive. Yeah. I like <laughs> uh, it. He's, he's trapped. Cable's trapped. He can't get out of the danger room monitoring booth. It's it's kind of comical, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so Richter zaps Doug, Douglas. And Rain gets really upset about it, and then uh, Richter says something about how he was in, she was in love with Doug, which was a thing that was like, was she? I don't remember that. Oh, uh, Rain. Yeah, there was like uh, an issue, a minute. Okay, so it was just like an issue. Yeah, when they got along, and so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there was a a cheek kiss or something like. There was certainly no like, like when you think of Doug in relationships, I think you think of Kitty. That's the only person I think of. Oh, and, or, uh, yeah. Or, or what's her name? Psylocke. Yeah. That's they sh- it. They should have pursued that. Heck yeah. <laughs> no, they got weirded out because they're like, she's 19, he's 14. And now she's Asian. <laughs> Let's keep it going. How weird can we make this relationship? Yeah. Um, so, so, so I guess the implication here is that Richter has a crush on Rain now. Yes. But I don't know if that's like a thing that's happening in the new mutants or if uh i feel like again there was another couple of issues where out of nowhere richter's like oh she's so nice <laughs> okay something like so that that's how relationships work in the new mutants apparently yeah yeah she's they're nice we had a, we had a pleasant day with each other so we must love each other 
so they fight for a bit and then uh old man banshee shows up and says hey why are you fighting the new mutants these are these are my boys and, he's, and he's, ladies he's got a ponytail and he's got a big bristly beard and mustache and he's got a red eye patch for some reason a red eye patch which is uh it's very red mm-hmm. <laughs> um he kind of sides with the new mutants over his future x-men team which freaks franklin out a bit they just they decide to go upstairs to discuss the issue calmly and um the teleporter who is probably nightcrawler's granddaughter or something uh, apparently yes. is named blue or that maybe that's a nickname she pamps them up which is like a bamf foot bigger so it's a pamp <laughs> yeah sure uh before that banshee was like hey cable what are you doing here man i thought you were in madripoor oh that's right and he's like cable look, is look apparently again. in the future look and... again banshee i'm not the cable you think i am right well yeah i guess I guess you could make the future connection there. I kind of thought like alternate reality, but I guess we don't know if these X-Men are alternate reality X-Men or are the future X-Men. Because what we saw in Days of Future Past were just old X-Men, old current X-Men. Right. So this this would presumably be before it got really bad. Sure. I guess. I'm I'm not really sure what the timeline is here. So that... Still doesn't necessarily mean that cable comes from the future. It just means that cable exists in the future. Cable is still alive in the future. That's not. Right. That's, I wasn't getting that he was a time traveler. I was getting that he's still alive, just like Banshee is still alive. Right, right, right. I just thought so, that was an interesting uh, aside between the two of those. I was like, I wonder if that means more than I think it does, and I don't think it does. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it does either. I think the the big takeaway is that Banshee and Cable know each other from the future. In the future. Presume- presumably they're best friends yeah sure roommates probably just lovers like, just like how moira knows, knows cable yeah banshee also knows cable maybe from the same meeting probably um they there's some questions about which team is actually real and franklin freaks out again having to question his own reality and uh makes all of the x-men future x-men disappear and then he disappears on his own and creates a giant hole in the ground and the mansion goes back to the way it was. And that's when the uh, Reed, Sue, and Banshee show up just in time for another of Ahab's drone attacks. I think they do have a little conversation beforehand in which does Banshee also know Cable at this point? They're like, hey, Cable, I thought you were in Madripoor. <laughs> I don't – does he? I don't know. Yeah, I guess not. Um She'll be me adventures as an X-Men and got me con- got ye concerned. Exciting they are, laddie buck. But I remain sound at least so far. And Cable's in charge of you now. Interesting. Have they encountered uh, the Ahab guy yet? Or is that coming up? They have not. Okay. Um, so a bunch of drones, more of his drones attack. And um, and, and that, that mohawked hound we mentioned before mm-hmm. and Richter bests the mohawked hound and that's when Ahab shows up and says you revealed too much and kills the uh, hound with his harpoon which of course you know when you see a harpoon you think of harpoon yeah yeah so immediately I'm thinking oh this is the harpoon of the future but is harpoon dead I don't know uh I mean he he could have been uh what cloned but he died yeah 
Did he get harpooned? Was it ironic? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, Ahab throws, shows up, harpoons him, and disappears. Um, Richter feels guilty about it, even though I'm not really sure why. Uh, the the uh, now that they have a Franklin tracker, they track him to the American Museum of Natural History, and that's where we get. Uh, Franklin talking to a manifested version of little girl Rachel mm. and just kind of talking about stuff. And then the uh, a couple of a couple of future sentinels show up, or just one and a couple of hounds. And yeah, there's a, there's a couple future sentinels. I see at least one. yeah, I see at least two on page thirty three. Okay, um, Franklin totally ignores them, and the New Mutants and the Fantastic Four have to fight them all off. And at some point. Uh, Franklin only notices one when Cable shoots a hound and the hound like goes through his body and he's like, wait, what's going on? And having woken up, he makes, uh, all of the bad guys disappear. I don't know how he manages to not make all the good guys disappear. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But it really upsets, uh, little Franklin who's still there for some reason. Um, and then we get, we get some, a lot of dialogue that I don't really fully understand. So Reed says, he basically says that Reed didn't ever want Franklin to have all these kind of crazy powers. And he says, all, all, all will come to pass as I've known it. And we will be destroyed if I don't use my powers or something. You mean Franklin's powers could have saved us at some future juncture, but now they'll never develop. So it doesn't make any sense because He's basically saying that without my powers, days of future past will happen. So he takes away young Franklin's powers. But if he has the powers and days of future past happened, then it's still going to happen. I don't know. It feels like they're trying to go for some weird paradox thing here that never quite lands for me. Uh, There's got to be something that I'm just missing. Some I, I sort don't know. Of thing. I, I read all these things, too. And the best I could come up with was Franklin didn't want his future to not exist. I think because of his love for Rachel. So, because a lot of these stories kind of, well, a couple of these stories anyways, kind of center around their relationship. Is the best I can figure that maybe, uh, well, we, I mean, we also, I don't want to get too far ahead, but we find out what, what future Franklin, well, how future Franklin gets here, because as, as is pointed out elsewhere, also in the pages of Days of Future Past, we see Franklin get killed so how how could he possibly be back here anyways so that adds to just more of the confusion so we don't know if the future x-men that we just saw are after days of future past but the timeline has changed right or is this supposed to be the days of future past timeline well again or is it supposed to be before it or is i there's a lot of possibilities and we don't we don't really get answers so let's Let's just assume Ahab is in a time bubble, and so he's he's unaffected by the events of time. So that's Ahab. How, I'm okay with. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, Franklin will will get there. So I don't. I mean, we'll get yeah, there. Okay. But um, so put a pin in it. Is yeah, yeah. Put a pin in it. But again, I don't. The, the whole motivation here, because ultimately, what he has to do is he puts Franklin to sleep. Also, he puts Franklin in a coma and apparently uh, takes all his powers away. But somehow he still has powers, which is a thing that somebody points out later. Yes. So they're creating some paradoxes. They're addressing those paradoxes. Uh, it doesn't really seem to make sense. And then Richter says, Bobby, 
have you noticed? Have any of you noticed how much cable looks like Ahab? <laughs> and that was a thing that I was going to, I wanted to point out also, of course, does that go anywhere? First of all, no, he doesn't. Second of <laughs> all, uh, it's, it's brought up again, which we'll get to. Um, I, does it go anywhere? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's one of the kernels that, that I was talking about before where this, maybe it was very important to mutant wars that cable and Ahab are the same. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem to go anywhere. Well, anyways, so we cut back to X factor number X factor annual number five. Um, so we, there Rachel shows up. She flies by forge beast, human torch, Jean and Franklin, their team, or, uh, they're not Franklin and Jean and, uh, their team, the, the, the second X factor fantasy Four team. Franklin shows up to, cause he wants to chat with Rachel. Um, she doesn't believe it's him. She just confronted him in a couple issues ago in uh, Excalibur. Or was that Quasar? I don't know. Ooh. Whatever. Yeah, I don't remember. Whatever it was, she's like, ah, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. And so she attacks him. He is upset and kind of freaked out that she has a different power set than she used to have because now she has the Phoenix powers. Um, uh, Jean Grey sees the Phoenix powers and is like, whoa, that's the Phoenix effect, isn't it? Who is she? What's going on? Yeah. That's kind of neat. It, um, I just, you you would think that with all of the superhero goings-ons in the Marvel Universe, at some point, BBC would have aired a piece on Excalibur, and they would have shown all of the Excalibur people in action, Rachel being one of them. Oh, and maybe she didn't get, like, Jean didn't get a close look at Rachel. Not, maybe she's, she's seen that special. And she knows of a person named Rachel's existence, but she doesn't know that she has the Phoenix Force. I think this is more of Jean seeing the Phoenix Force for the first time. That's what I'm saying is that while they're displaying their powers, like Megan morphs into something, Captain Britain lifts a car, Nightcrawler teleports, and Phoenix does this giant, beautiful Phoenix effect. She doesn't just do that for the cameras. (laughs) I don't know. I should point out, uh, Beast... Uh, talked or thought a lot about the uh, setup for how, what Scott and Jean are going through early on in the issue mm-hmm. about how Scott proposed to Jean and mm-hmm. Jean hasn't said yes yet. And in fact, she has said she doesn't, she doesn't want to be tied down anything um, and how she's deliberately baiting him during their uh, training session and they're at odds with each other. So that's kind of the setup for where we are in X Factor. And Beast, um, during this whole thing now, I guess because he's our narrator, is like... That's what reminded me of that. <laughs> it's Rachel, a girl who in all probability is Scott and Jean's daughter from a future timeline. Yeah. Scott always seemed unaware of what she might be to him. Blah, blah, blah. Which is awesome. <laughs> Rachel's memory was so scrambled. How much of that does she remember? And why is she here? So as I recall, like Beast was part of the new X-Men team, like, Four times, and I don't even know if Rachel had traveled back in time when Beast was in any of those issues. I feel like there's a lot that Beast should know that he doesn't know in this issue and in the next X-Men issue. Because like, he's always updating the files, sure. keeping track of things. If Even if he wasn't there, you would assume he would have read the files. That I can buy, that he's got like an uplink to the mansion and he's downloading Cerebro files. He's like, ooh, this Rachel girl, huh. But so we get uh, we get more attack of the drones. Ahab, Ahab likes to attack in drones. So while Rachel and uh, Franklin are talking, 
the rest of the team are fighting these drones. Uh, Rachel realizes that it is truly Franklin, but um, Franklin is upset by her power, as I mentioned before, and he he does a I don't know he he does some squats. He sits down and he's like, I was never meant to, never meant it to be this way. I only wanted you to love me. It's all so changed. How can that have gone so wrong? And he explodes again or just disappears, but he manages to kill all the drones, but none of the good guys again. He's got that selective death vibe. Um, Rachel gets approached by Jean Grey, who wants to know who she is, what's the deal. And she just says, hello, mother. I hadn't planned for us to meet like this. Well, I like it because, you know, for years now, if you've been reading the X-Men, you've been waiting for this moment. Um, even I feel like in older issues, there was like a, a subconscious awareness from either Cyclops or Rachel that, oh, we're not going to talk about it, but we know. Uh, and so, I don't know. It's kind of nice. to. She's got this whole like internal monologue that she goes through and then she's just like, well, all right. Hello, mother. It won't matter. She'll love me anyway. It's more than memory. It's in our blood. So, yeah, she I, I liked it, too. Yeah, I may have made fun of it, but I liked it. No, it's, it's good. So back at the Chrysler building or to the Chrysler building is where Franklin went and he's exhausted. He's lying down. The, the other team, the rest of the X Factor slash FF team show up and we get a, we again get Sentinels attacking Franklin that Franklin doesn't even notice. Uh, we get some cool stuff where Miss Marvel and Archangel and Iceman all kind of team up to stop the Sentinels. It's decent. Um, we cut back to Jean Grey, and she's very upset about the fact that Rachel is her daughter because, as I mentioned before, she doesn't like being tied down. And that's kind of her arc in this storyline. It's your fu- It's the future. I'm your daughter from the future. No, you can't be. You can't be. And then Cyclops shows up and Rachel says, I'm from the future in and in that future, you marry and have a baby, a girl, me in my world. Christopher doesn't exist. And yet he's here and you love him more than me. And that's when stupid Cyclops says, what What? (laughs) are you saying? You're our daughter. (laughs) I didn't know. Why didn't you tell me Rachel? And then Rachel gets stabbed through the stomach with a harpoon by guess who? (gasps) Ahab. Good old Ahab. He's respawned a bunch of hounds. Um, he attempts to rehound Rachel, and he kind of momentarily does, but she's able to get out of it. I am hound no longer. I am Phoenix, and you carry-on eaters are my prey. And she kills all of the uh, hounds or monsters or whatever they are, but not Ahab for some reason. And then Jean Grey says, what did you do to them? What did I do? No, what did he do to me? You don't understand. He would have destroyed us. Then she leaves. She's upset that her parents are not acting like parents, which is fair. Yeah. This is a, this is a big deal for Rachel. I mean, she's been holding, she, she came back in time. She's been holding on to this information. She's seen life progress differently than, than she remembers it. And, and, and almost creating this paradox of like, well, if Jean and Scott never have a daughter, how do I exist? And I wonder, do yeah. they ever actually touch upon that? They must. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, Plenty of stories from now until forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, Ahab responds a bunch more 
After, after Rachel leaves, Ahab respawns a bunch more hounds, and uh, he tries to use his giant harpoon to kill Franklin. The New Mutants and the rest of the Fantastic Four show up, guns a-blazing. Um, they fight. It looks like Ahab kills Archangel because he, he stabs him through the gut again mm-hmm. with one of his harpoons, and Beast catches him and says, Warren, you've killed him. You'll pay for that, Ahab. I swear it. And Beast gets all upset. All these people always jump into conclusions because at the end of the issue, they're like, oh, he's barely breathing, but he'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. He's been through worse. Um, the, the Fantastic Four and X-Factor work together to, it, it gets kind of, uh, silly. There's, there's like a pocket space that Ahab is using to teleport through time to, and using, uh, Human Torch and Ice Factor, Ice Factor, Iceman's powers together, it's able to disrupt the pocket and make Ahab's spaceship appear in this time. And then Cyclops destroys it. So it kind of makes sense, but it's it's annoying. Whatever. <laughs> Cyclops and uh, it's it's fun because Cyclops and uh, Mr. Fantastic are both calling out the various orders. Yeah, it's so. teamwork. So, I mean, that's what's good about it. Yeah, yeah. I like all that stuff. You get some you get some classic FF X Factor teamwork. Ben Grimm, no powers, just sitting there punching people. That's what he does, man. For a while he was wearing a thing outfit oh. that Mr. Fantastic designed for him. Funny. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um so Archangel, as we said, is not dead. Uh Bobby is also hurt pretty badly. Franklin shows up again. And uh, he's like, hey, Rachel's my girlfriend. Why are you being such jerks to Rachel? I'm going to make Christopher disappear. And so he makes Christopher disappear and he goes away. And then Cyclops is just completely wrecked. He collapses on the ground into the mud (laughs) and and he's dead. (laughs) He ages about 40 years in two panels. Uh, He's just so completely and utterly defeated. I like what they were going for here, but it was not executed very well. It could have been a better drawing, but I, I, it, it still works for me. I, I think when I was a younger child and I l- was more literal in my translations of panels, I think I saw Cyclops just getting old. <laughs> Why is he getting all old? Is Franklin <laughs> doing that to him too? Wow, this guy's powers are off the charts. All right, so that brings us to X-Men Annual number 14, uh, which is part four. You must remember this, as we mentioned. Uh, we Immediately, it feels like Chris Claremont was dropped a whole lot of stuff and said, finish this, which is probably not what happened, but that's just what it feels like. Uh, we, we get the benefit of Art Adams' artwork. so That's true. This yeah. one looks better than the other three combined, um, just because I like Art Adams'. Uh, you know, the one thing that we haven't really described is what uh, Ahab looks like. I mean, Richter, for some reason, thinks Ahab looks like Cable. But um, Ahab has, like, robot arms, like robot boots, normal legs and body, I think. His head uh, is kind of squared off. He's got a beard. He's got no mustache. And then he's got, um, uh, like, legion hair. Where it just like sticks straight up. He reminds me of Elf from um, the show Elf. <laughs> <laughs> Alien life form. 
<laughs> do, do you remember the the cartoon version of Elf? No. Where we meet his girlfriend Rhonda on Melmac? No. He's also got Rhonda hair from Rhonda on Melmac. Okay, hair. I was gonna say like he didn't look like Elf at all to me, but and when you do when you get those close ups of him, I just see Elf. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe. Maybe you know what? Uh, what was that? Masters of the Universe. Who is that little dude? Orko. The guy. The guy that wasn't Orko in the movie. Oh, I know who you're talking like Grimly or something like that. I don't remember what his name was, but I know who you're talking about. He does he look like him. Like that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So I don't know how we're seeing Cable in Ahab, other than I guess he's got like a bunch of electronic doodads on him. Yeah. He also I mean, has a staff, so I mean he could be Gambit from the future. <laughs> right? It's it's like they took Cable, they stripped him down to just his face, they tanned his face, they put his they put him into a big completely different robot body, but he's got the same eyebrows. So on the cover of this thing we have um the only X-Men, we get a lot of characters, a lot of Fantastic Four, a lot of X-Factor, a lot of New Mutants, but the only characters that we have that are truly from the Uncanny X-Men comic are Young Storm, Banshee, and Forge. That is true. There's no Gambit, Wolverine, or I guess that's really all we're dealing with at this point. And spoilers, I guess, Wolverine, Jubilee, and Psylocke are not in this story of this issue. But they do have a backup story. Which I did not read. <laughs> So anyways, um, we, in true Chris Claremont fashion, we start off with kind of our prologue, our opener. We don't start off with like action and a bunch of crazy crap. It's just Rachel's in New York uh, eating a burger and being like, oh my God, it's been so long. This is great. And I'm wondering, is this like, did she fly? She got like the, the Franklin vibes in England hanging out with Megan and then she flew across the ocean stopped for a burger and then <laughs> headed off to the uh Statue of Liberty to encounter her mother. That's what I this is weird because this feels like it could be its own story. Absolutely. And it's it's not a I'll be honest, I don't think that this issue, this story that they do in this issue is bad. No, not at all. In fact, it's the best of the four in my opinion. So, while she's eating burgers, a bunch of uh criminals stock up onto to this burger joint they want to hold the place up rachel's just so enjoying her burger and uh the guy's like miss look at the there's those the people they're bad and so she thinks to herself enough kind of wipes their mind of like what they're doing here and then crumples up the guns uh without breaking a sweat or, or making a move such that everybody's like wow did you see that that was crazy and then they you know, as as Jean takes off when she gets the Franklin vibe again, they're all like, oh, she's a mutant. Why didn't she help us? Rachel. Rachel. What, who did I Not say? Jean. You said oh, Jean. Jean. Uh, and then one of the other guys is like, how do you know she didn't? Hey, Phil, dummy. How do you know she didn't? Which is fun. So I, to me, that's that's an excellent three-page, four-page uh, Chris Claremont opening to any annual. Um, yeah. Replace this with baseball and... <laughs> You're 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 doing the right thing. It kind of feels like the rise of Skywalker in the way that they completely ignored certain aspects of the Last Jedi. <laughs> no. Whereas whereas no. Days of Future Past is The Force Awakens. It's like Chris Claremont is like, I'm gonna write the sequel to Days of Future Past and I'm gonna more or less ignore <laughs> except the, the 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 stuff that happened in between that and this, and I'm gonna use what I want. 
Yeah, so we get this weird um, full-page spread of, of Rachel up in the sky doing the Phoenix Force. Uh, she's uh, getting the attention of um, Doctor Strange. Who is this Asian woman? I think it's just a, some some girl, but okay. I don't doesn't have a name, so there's no name attached to it. Yeah, and then another woman at the burger barn. Yeah, I think these are just random people who okay. have uh, are telekinetics or whatever. And then you've got Spider Man, and then at the top right is that supposed to be Mask? I'm assuming it's Mask because sh- the captions men- mention mutants. Uh huh. And as far as I know, he's the only mutant of these five people. Right. Since two of them are random people. It's it's interesting that I wonder if Chris Claremont chose Mask or if Art Adams chose Mask. Well, that's a good question. Because he's not, I guess to the best of our knowledge, he's not uh, telepathically inclined. He just melts people's faces. Does he have any connection with Rachel whatsoever? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I mean, she was gone before the mutant massacre. She mm-hmm. might have been in the Morlock mm-hmm. tunnels once or twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Spider-Man, you know, due to his spider sense, I think that that's kind of a precognition, telepathy, psychically inclined type of a power. So so that all works. So I, all of the other people, even the two humans, we just assume that they have latent mutant powers. Mask was like, well, that's a weird choice. Let's say it's not Mask. Let's say it's a random homeless woman who also happens to be a telepath. It could be. That's but what I'm going. She got purple cloak, got a weird face. It is very mask like, <laughs> I will give you that. But for the for the sake of argument, I'm gonna say that this is not mask. And then Rachel meets up with adults Franklin. Ooh, I'm getting potential spam on my phone. <laughs> That's the <Okay>. best. <laughs> and uh she calls him Scrapper, which is a nickname I don't think we've seen yet. Well, we saw it in one of the other manual, oh, okay. uh, uh, annuals. I just didn't mention it. They really play uh, it up here, though. When when he was at the museum with little little girl uh, Rachel, he called her, or she called him Scrapper. And so Chris Claremont is like, I like that. I'm going to use it. So this sort of uh, contradicts the whole um, Statue of Liberty scene. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Because they they meet in a nondescript place. There's a bunch of clouds and and, and smoke and whatnot, uh, and they have a conversation. It's a very civil conversation. They're not yelling at each other. They don't say you don't exist. They're all, they're very human. He uh, does say, "Last time we met, I got attacked." So I'm gonna. So I was just being more careful this time. It was like one of those fights my uncle Ben always used to get in with the Hulk. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, they're, and they're referring to X Factor. So I guess these events. So maybe the burger takes place after her encounter with Jean. Yeah, I think she was okay. just really hungry. I okay. mean, you know, having your parents kind of reject your feelings will do that to somebody. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. She's like, "What am I going to do? I want a burger. I don't want to think about just, this." Yeah, I need a burger. Sure, I buy that. Makes more sense than what I came up with earlier. <laughs> so anyways, they get together, they're about to kiss, and then there's like a giant Phoenix Force explosion in the sky. And just like that, they decide, well, let's go to the Fantastic Four in X-Factor that we've been fighting this whole time, and we'll tell them that we're getting married. And uh, you think it's kind of weird, but then it kind of throws you for a loop because uh, Franklin starts mind-controlling Reed and Sue Richards to make them happy for him. Before that, though... He just because I'm watching it, uh, he says, 
I'm sorry for the trouble I caused. Playing Doctor Who without a TARDIS isn't easy. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I got a little scrambled along the way. And I I like that line for two reasons. Number one, it mentions Doctor Who. But number two, uh, it kind of like... Uh, you know all that crazy stuff that happened. Ah, time travel will do that to your mind, but I'm I'm good now. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then you know they have this whole conversation, and and then Franklin Cyclops says, "Hey, you stole my son. Can you give him back?" And Franklin says, "You forgot about that." Uh, he he does. Uh, These are not the droids you're looking for. He sort of mind wipes him. But he can't. He can't get Gene to be happy for uh, Rachel and Franklin getting married. Gene is still freaking out about the whole thing. She's not my child, Mrs. Richards. I'm not even married, and out of nowhere, I'm face to face with the pro- the pro- the product of my life to come. Not only that, she's tied intimately into the power I abhor, that being the Phoenix power. In a world where all I hold dear has been destroyed. So you'll pardon me for not seeing any magic special or otherwise here. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about all this. I feel like I feel like my gene would be more understanding, but I guess she's going through some things. She yeah, she just had well, they kind of explain it later in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um Sue Storm, I think, explains it and says, uh having gone through all this stuff and having Cyclops ask her to marry her is just kind of putting this big wall around her where she just wants a chance to kind of stretch out and be free for a little bit. So that's what they explain it away as. Uh, Franklin did not mind wipe everybody, just some of the principals. And Bren Grimm realizes what's going on, but, you know, says to Johnny Storm, back off, let's, let's let them, uh, let's let this play out. We don't know what's going on and we don't want to get mind wiped ourselves. And then after Franklin and Rachel leave, he kind of calls Ben out and says, hey, wake up. Wake up, Slim. Or what is it, Stretch? Stretch. And he does. And they're both like, oh, my head. Oh, Franklin did this to us. Meanwhile, at the mansion, uh, Storm and Gambit have made it to the destroyed mansion. And uh, they're going to go in, uh, which they do. And this alerts Cable, who is, I guess, on permanent watch duty. It's just around. <laughs> so, wait a minute. In the last issue, I guess, did Cable not go with everybody to meet up with X-Factor? I, they, they He was there, but they've since split up. Okay, so he went back home. Yeah, so the, Cable and the New Mutants left after the events, the ends of X-Factor, or what, whichever one was last. New Mutants, X-Factor, I get it all confused at this point. <laughs> uh, you, you'll be happy to know that Cable's got all of his gauntlets. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, all the spiky gauntlets are there. I was looking for pockets because Art mm. Adams is the pocket master. I figured that this would be the first opportunity for Cable to have a lot of pockets. <laughs> um, I don't see too many pockets on him. There's a few, like, there's a, there's a few pockets. He's got a handful of belts yeah. which have pockets on them. Yeah. And so Young Storm and Cable kind of tussle about. Uh, Cable pins Storm down when Forge, Banshee, and the New Mutants all show up. And Forge is like, oh, my God, it's Storm. But she's Cable, young. man, what in glory are you doing? And uh, Forge immediately recognizes Storm. Warlock has to do a uh, physio, physio, not, oh, physiognomical. Physi, physi, is it? 
I keep trying to throw an L in there. Like it should be physiognomical, but it's just physiognomical. Physiognomical parameters reveal that this tiny person is Storm. Yep. And boom, Nevertheless, boom. I am who I appear to be. And I see there have not been any, there have been many changes in my absence. Shall we compare notes? And immediately they cut to uh, upstairs, I guess. There's a big Franklin on the screen for some reason, because I guess they're going to catch them up with that. And Cable says, I run the new mutants now. Yep. This just makes me laugh for some reason. Well. First things first, I run the new mutants now. Got to establish dominance. <laughs> um, I, does Gambit even say anything ever in this issue? He says, uh, Cable Man, what are your glory? That's, I think that's it. Did I say Banshee? I meant Gambit. Gambit only talks when they're first breaking into the uh, X-Mansion. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he calls her Stormy, and she says, don't yeah. call me that. So we learn but about... At, once they meet up, he's, like, totally quiet. He's just observing things. Yep. So we, uh, Cable fills them all in with the future X-Men. Uh, kind of fills... Well, just kind of fills Storm in with what's been happening. And Storm fills Forge and Banshee in on what's happening with her and the Orphan Maker and whatnot. Nanny. Yep. Um, they talk about Franklin for, I guess, because they're bringing her right up to speed. Well, and, and, and this, this is what's going on with Franklin. This is where all of a sudden Cable takes on the voice of Wolverine. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's I, Chris Claremont writes Cable like he writes Wolverine, As in my opinion. that wasn't enough. Turned out Frankie had major trouble on his tail. Somebody after his scalp in the worst way. Ready and willing to stomp at whoever got in the way. Name Ahab. That's all Wolverine dialogue. Yeah. And then uh, Cable continues to call Franklin Richards, who he's never met before. Well, maybe he's met him in the future. Continues to call him Frankie. He's a, he's a smarmy sort of guy. I don't know. I don't get that vibe. His name's Franklin? I'm going to call him Frankie. <laughs> I get that vibe from, from Wolverine, right? Frankie, yeah. Charlie. Uh, I don't... I, maybe... Maybe he gets that attitude later in New Mutants or X Force, but I don't get that vibe from him. I get the vibe from Cable. Chris Claremont is concerned. Rob Liefeld created Cable so that he would have his own Wolverine to play with. That could be. So if if Chris Claremont writes Cable as Wolverine, it's not going to bother anybody. True. Fair enough. That's my guess. And this is when Storm says, you do not understand, Cable. In the future you speak of, Franklin Richards was killed. Whatever that lost soul claims is he's an imposter or something worse. Worse. I'm surprised somebody else hasn't pointed this out earlier. <laughs> well, not like, well, is there anybody else that was there? No. Was Cyclops there? I guess not. The only people that, so uh, assume we're assuming that Kate and Kitty swapped back. And then Kitty was like, oh, I kind of woke up a little bit. And I saw Franklin die and she would have, but you also would figure that somebody would write those up in the files. Like we went to well, the future and this is what we saw later on. And I'll, I'll point it out if I don't miss it. Uh, storm implies that they, the X-Men have seen the future through Kitty's and Rachel's eyes through the use of telekinesis. Uh, was there. And, and it's, and I'm sure it's whichever members were on the team at the time. So I don't, I don't, I don't think there was any I mean, psychics on the team at the, at the time. She, she says Rachel did it. Oh, that must have been later on then. Because Rachel doesn't show up until like, I don't know, like the 160s or something like that. So it would be after Rachel shows up, whatever that X-Men team is, Kitty presumably still on the team. 
But you're probably right. Like, I think she introduces herself as like an X-Man from the future. And they're like, we don't believe you. And Psylocke is probably, no, she, Phoenix probably. Like, nah, look at my mind. Oh my God, Franklin died. What? We should write that down. (laughs) Tell everybody else. Tell Mr. Fantastic. So, yes, uh, the only people that would know would be Storm out of this whole cast, I would imagine. Which, which I, which is fine for this particular cast. But what about the X Factor? It wasn't anybody on X Factor. No, no. Okay. Cyclops would have been in and out. Like he was like in a mission, but then he was like off with Madeline. Not even Beast. No, I mean Beast. Like I said earlier, Beast I think was in like four or five uh, uncanny X Men issues. There's that one issue where all the X Men have died, and he's pushing uh, uh, the Professor in a wheelchair. That's a cover. Uh, and there's like a couple of other issues and otherwise it's just defenders and then Avengers and X factor. Okay. All right. Well, so, I'm glad we, glad we got through that. Hey, it's Chris Claremont. Like he's paying, he's got notes. I'm sure he does, but his notes at this point probably don't make a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so they go to find the fantastic four, or I guess they call the fantastic four and have them, come to visit them and now everybody is back together uh we get a scene at the free for the four freedoms plaza where ahab has showed up and kidnapped cyclops and sue who stayed behind i guess i'm not really sure what the locations are here because it says free four freedoms plaza and then meanwhile downstairs so everybody's at the four freedoms plaza but i i guess so i guess the x-men went the mutants and storm and gambit went to the four freedoms plaza so that must be what happened. I don't know. At any rate, um, Ahab is torturing uh, Cyclops and Sue Storm. That laddie buck just became the least of your worries. And I think now maybe he's Banshee of the future. Because <laughs> <laughs> Banshee did have a red eye patch. Oh, by the way, I mean. And, uh, and Ahab does have a missing eye. He has a missing red Terminator eye. Maybe that's why his eye patch is red. Somewhere along the way, I feel like we missed it. Somebody called somebody else Bunky. And I don't know if it was in this issue, <laughs> but Bunky was used. And it might have been Cable. I don't remember, though. Bunky. <laughs> uh, yep. So, yeah, everybody's at the Four, four Freedoms Plaza. Uh, Sue and Cyclops have been captured. I think they're in the time bubble now, maybe. Then cuts to meanwhile downstairs. So they're somewhere in the building. Well, meanwhile downstairs. So they're upstairs. I guess I'm assuming Cyclops and 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 um, Sue are talking about like parenthood and relationships, maybe. And that's when Ahab and like two little Sentinel guys shoot them. And take them to the... Okay, that makes sense. And then it says, meanwhile, downstairs. So all that happened upstairs. Meanwhile, downstairs, all of the rest of the heroes here are are talking about nothing. And then we switch over to Swirly area, which I guess could be upstairs of Four Freedoms Plaza, but I think it's the time bubble. But I could be wrong. I was assuming it was Four Freedoms Plaza because otherwise, how would the X-Men get to the time bubble? But um, it's fine either way. I don't really know. Well, they kind of they, they kind end of up, talk about they okay. end up fighting at a park or like outside. Oh, they're okay. We'll I'll have to keep track of that. For some reason, I thought it all took place at the same place. It but, might. I don't know. 
Um, they talk about how they thought that the assassination of Robert Kelly was going to be the catalyst for the Days of Future Past thing. Um, they assume that whatever whatever that was supposed to fix didn't fix. So that's where we are as far as understanding the time. After Pride's time switch, says Ahab, the hierarchy set in motion appropriate countermeasures, sending me and mine ah, there it is. at this temporal nexus to prevent any further rewriting of what is, for us, history. So that's what you were talking about. So imagine this, if you will, Adam. Kitty Pride, <laughs> time switches, time slides, and uh, as the future is changing they feel all of these memories dissipating from their minds and they they look down uh, marty mcfly style and they see their hands disappearing and they're like no push the temporal nexus button and they get zapped over there so everything else have, disappears except for ahab and nimrod so they somehow have, they have ahab who is an agent that exists in the temporal nexus that is constantly making sure that the timeline never changes i like that it's a cool idea it doesn't make any sense, but it's a cool idea. I don't know if it goes that far. I feel like it's he went to the temporal nexus as like like bailing out of of a future that was disappearing and has been waiting for the moment in which it will work to change everything back to the way it was. Based on the fact that he was sleeping at the beginning of Fantastic Four number whatever, uh yeah, it seems like it seems like that's true. And so the uh, Franklin Richards thing happening wakes Ahab up and he's like, oop, my, my time to shine. <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> and then so now I guess this sets the wheels in motion of how they're going to correct Days of Future Past to Days of Future Future. And the way that they do that is by turning Cyclops and Invisible Woman into hounds. Which, which he says is permanent. Uh, <laughs> this is not a process that can be undone. Um, I love the fact that Sue Storm's hound costume has a four that is crossed out on her, <laughs> her, on, on her. It's like a four logo on her chest that is just with a big cross over it. That's, that's great. <laughs> yep. Cyclops, uh, it just has green armor with spikes and his visor. No other characteristics, not a crossed out cross, which would have been interesting. They both have the hound face markings. Mm-hmm. Which are permanent. Yeah. Scars, if you will. They won't ever go away. Uh, Cyclops, for some reason, cannot locate his daughter, Rachel, probably because they're technically not really. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So D- a- Different a- timelines. Who knows? Ahab says, like, okay, well, the reason I captured you guys and turned you guys into hounds is because you can detect your family members. And right. um, Sue's like, okay, I'll, I have Loki to my son. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know what if that's like Chris Claremont being fancy, or if it's just a typo. I feel there like they ran out of space. Like we can't fit location into this bubble. <laughs> Loki. There are two loci to my son. I don't know. Maybe I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go past Chris Claremont to have found a fancy short word that means locations. Maybe. Like is lo- loci the plural of locations? <laughs> there are two loci oh my gosh i wonder i have to google this uh is loci a word uh, locus is a word that's true loci loci uh plural of locus 
Okay. So, and this says low, low say, whatever. My quick <laughs> Google search shows that loci or loci is not plural of locations. All right. But Fair it would have been cool if it was. I mean, I think, I think the plural of locations is locations. I believe so as well. <laughs> In any event. Uh, but maybe it's cool future slang that Sue somehow knows all of a sudden. Sure. I'll go with that. Loci. Um, it's been too long since those children have seen their master. And we cut over to Rachel and Franklin. Wait. And also Christopher. Uh, um, Ahab says, when Cyclops says, Master, I can't find her. He says, that shouldn't be. He isn't lying. He genuinely doesn't know. But she's his daughter. Even her sight talent shouldn't be able to mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E, her from him. It's just the British Connecting the dots back to mask at the beginning of the issue. <laughs> I think it's just the British spelling. <laughs> That's stupid. What, is Ahab British? <laughs> no, but Chris Claremont is. Or is he Is he actually British or does he, does he want to be British? Mm-hmm. I forget. I don't know. He must, I think he's actually British. I'm going to go with that. Sure. Call me out, fans, because I have no idea. No. Call us out, Chris Claremont. Yes, call us and straighten us out, and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll do a little interview, <laughs> in which we ask uh, if you were given all of the pieces of this story and just had to fill in all the blanks. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, Ra- Rachel Franklin Christopher, uh, go. They're all hanging out. Christopher is uh, referred to as Rachel's baby brother. At first, I wasn't sure who it was. <laughs> Because it's a little red-haired kid who's much older than Christopher has ever seen him before. Yeah, he looks like I a thought, five-year-old boy. I thought, maybe this is maybe this is like baby Rachel or something. <laughs> but no, it's Christopher. Uh, Ahab and some Cyclops, some, the Cyclops Sioux uh, hounds show up and blast uh, Rachel somewhere in the park, as you mentioned. Um, then there's we get this fancy... Uh, Ahab has a whip. A neural disruptor derived from a design used by the Genosian magistrates. Mm-hmm. It scrambles the synapses so that the harder you try to use your abilities or move or just plain think, the more you feel like you're tearing yourself apart. So he uses that on Franklin and Franklin, Rachel. Franklin was caught up in, in one of Sue Storm's invisible bubbles. Yeah. And she says, you know, quit, quit resisting or I'll compress my force field and crush you. That's right. She's totally caught up in this. Yeah. As is Cyclops. Crazy. They are permanently hounds. <laughs> Never won't be hounds. Okay. And then Ahab takes them back to where I'm assuming is the hub. So okay. they're back in yep. the hub now. Sure. And then we get a mutant proximity alert. And now everybody's there. So they just know where the hub is now? Yeah. This, this all kind of happens pretty quickly. Ahab is attempting to convert uh, Rachel again as a hound, but she's just completely resistant. And then everybody shows up. We get a full page of Fantastic Four and X-Factor members. Uh, Storm is sort of near the front. We get Gambit's head. (laughs) Is that Gambit or is that Richter? Could be. (laughs) Could be either. Well, there's somebody under... uh, Mr. Fantastic's armpit. Oh, that's Ben Grimm. That's Ben Grimm, yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> right, it could go either way. Yeah. It's probably Richter because it's behind Cable, but yeah. where's Gambit then? He's like 
Oh, Shuri, Stormy, I do not want to fight the Ahab. I'll stay behind. <laughs> you go on ahead. Um, but it's because Ahab is Gambit. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't think so, but sure. Let's let's keep. He's got a staff. He's got the big hair. He's from the I future. Like it. it makes sense. That's why Gambit wouldn't want to go. Although, <laughs> if Gambit shows up in any of the next couple of panels, I'm going to keep my eyes open for him. Okay. Um. I got a little confused when Mr. Fantastic says, wait, see who's standing by her side. And they're talking about Sue and Cyclops, I thought. But then he says, Franklin and Nathan are imprisoned. Why not Rachel? I'm just confused. What what have you done to them? Meeting Cyclops and Sue. Franklin and Nathan are imprisoned. Why not Rachel? Uh, uh, Ahab's got no time for that question. Yeah, he just totally ignores her. Yeah. If you like Richard, you can join your wife as a member of my pack. Otherwise, you'll simply have to serve as her prey. And then they fight. So, they fight. Ms. Marvel's important because he's the she's the only one who has strength. Um, Jean kind of faces up against Sue Storm. Uh, they use teamwork again. There's Gambit. He is there. He is. Yeah. Perhaps you fellas just don't know how to hit. He He doesn't look good, though. Uh, Ahab grabs, that's true, Cable, and Cable says, well, uh, Ahab says, what's wrong, Cable? See someone you know. Yeah. Again, the implication is like, his face. It's my face. He doesn't say that, though, does he? No, he doesn't. He just says his face. See someone you know. Yeah, and they never never circle back around to that, do they? The implication's got to be that Cable is Ahab. Cable, Cable is Ahab. In the future. And uh, I feel like it's a tie-in to Mutant Wars. That that one of the factions is that evil Cable is going to have the new mutants fight against the X-Men. I'm, I'm imagining this whole scenario. It was probably never a thing. You never know. I mean, that could have been an interesting thing. Maybe. I don't know. So, so Cable's left arm is bionic. And I guess... Ahab just looks completely bionic, so there's nothing... Sure, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's the version of Cable that is now just ahead. <laughs> he's like the face of Bo. Yeah. But the face of Cable. Except that he's also got a body. <laughs> well, it's a robot body. Face of Bo could have had a robot body if he'd have tried hard enough. That would have been awesome. <laughs> no, it'd have been huge. Yeah. Or, or it could have been like a tiny body. <laughs> With a giant head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would have been pretty cool, too. Uh, Ahab presses a button that makes the floor elect- electrified, which is stupid. Um, <laughs> Everybody's down. Which is like, if you were a cable, you probably don't want to kill cable. So, I, But I mean, I guess this doesn't really kill him. It incapacitates them all. Yeah. Remember the time I knocked myself out? Pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> uh, he's going to stab Franklin who is now wearing a Fantastic Four slash X-Men outfit. Oh. Time to go. Hound's heel. That includes you, Rachel. And uh, she says no in very tiny letters. She's resisting. Ahab throws his spear at her. Banshee or uh, Franklin can't stop it. So Jean Grey kind of throws herself in front of it and it fades away, which they explain away as... The carpoon's keyed specifically to it, its victim. Mm-hmm. It resonates to you because of who we are, mother and daughter. That's how come you could drain its power. 
The pain's awful, I know. But my own power can heal that, if you'll allow. Which is weird. Feels like it could have been a nice moment, but it was handled too quickly. Yes. And, and how, then how convenient that everything's over, so he disappears. How convenient that this spear is able to connect mother and daughter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, uh, the the battle is over, but the war hasn't been won, is what I think Ahab is saying here. Right. I know how the war ends, the mutant war. Whatever you do to me now, you'll still meet me in the days to come, or not. In the days of future present <laughs> past. In the days of future present. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the rest of the thing ends. Uh, Cyclops and Sue are permanently hounds. <laughs> yep. Somebody, uh, Storm, tells Franklin that, hey, you died in the future, and this is where we get the explanation for what's been going on when they decide that what happened was that when Franklin was killed by the Sentinel, which we saw, uh, he so didn't want to die that he used his power a split second before a sentinel burned you to ashes yeah he uses his power to send himself into the past so it's kind of like what happened to what is it clara and doctor who got so many things happened to clara and doctor who <laughs> uh, doesn't she doesn't she end up working at a motel or a, like a, a a gas station or a diner not remembering who she is yeah, but there was another story where she dies and then like an episode or two later, the doctor pulls her out of the time stream moments before she's going to die so they can oh, have many more adventures. Hunted by the crow. Yeah, but then she's got he's got to put her back because she has to die. Poor Clara. Yeah. But, the, but somehow she doesn't end up dying because she ends up in a diner. The whole Clara thing's so weird. <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, over New Year's, the the uh, they were running Doctor Who marathon, and I happened to catch her first episode where she's in a Dalek. Spoilers. Yep. I was like, man, this whole storyline was weird. But was that her really? I thought her first one was the Christmas special where she's she's not Clara, but she is Clara's uh, ancient. Yeah. Uh, relation who is played with the same actress yeah i think that actress's first appearance in the doctor who show was as the dalek yeah but then yeah but she had also appeared previously as a different character i I think that was the act was it i thought that was the actress's first role in doctor who but i could be wrong i do remember the christmas special you're talking about i just don't remember if it came before or after that dalek episode i'm not sure either (laughs) anyways uh, it's a neat idea. Right before he died, he cast himself out to find his love, I guess. And he's been draining uh, little Franklin, young Franklin, his powers. Yeah, by the way, he, he, himself he, going. He, he's been here this whole time, but he's just been unconscious and passed out. Yeah, I mean, young Franklin has been passed out since uh, X-Factor, New Mutants, number whatever. And they've just been kind of carting him around. And saying that he's been getting worse and worse until Ben Grimm finally says, yeah, he's in a coma now. <laughs> um, so they work out a plan where Rachel and Franklin are going to work together to erase Franklin from the timeline and give young Franklin back his his natural powers. And using that, um, Phoenix is going to restore Cyclops and Sue Storm back to their 
non-hound selves, and Phoenix thinks it's going to also destroy her, which it doesn't. <laughs> and she says the words, I'm fire and life incarnate now and forever. I'm Phoenix. You know, I didn't even, there's so many words on this page, I didn't even <laughs> notice that the first time through. Yeah, I am Phoenix is the biggest words on the panel. I was like, does she, I saw I am Phoenix, like, does she do the whole thing? Yep, she does the whole thing. It's not like I am power where I'm always like locked on to that. <laughs> oh, somebody said I am power. <laughs> so Sue and Cyclops are back. And Cyclops has a moment where he realizes, was that what it was like for Rachel? And Storm rubs it in deeper and says, only a taste. What you had would, would for what what for you was but a day on his leash for her was over half her life. You jerk. Rachel's like, I'm still here wearing my count costume. Does this mean we failed? The future's unchanged. Did Scrapper die for nothing? Do I have to go through this nightmare again? And Jean Grey thinks to herself, Rachel, but presumably Rachel hears it. Mom, I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I, I just wanted to find my home, my family. Same as Frank. He got lucky. His search is over. Me, I guess I'll have to start fresh and make my own. Peace out. She leaves. And she leaves. Jean's like, Jean Rachel, Grey, wait. Jean Grey has a pity party. I didn't mean, well, I mean, I guess I did. Kind of. Every time I see her, I see myself locked in a box. It's the future. No fate but what we make. And my fate's been made. Locked, locked in a box that is the future. I like that. Condemned to a fate preordained and unchangeable as the sunrise. I yeah, feel rage. <laughs> and I strike out what I want to embrace. You were you were good when you had box that is the future. You should have left it at that. You gotta know when to when to exit. When did we miss it? She talks about the the ornament that she gives her grandparents. Oh yeah, I skipped over that. She says, Jean, Mama, you ever wonder what the Phoenix is, who I was? Your folks have a whole empathic crystal imbued with our essences. Like I said when I left it for them, something to remember me by. Bye. Yeah. So that then that's, I guess, important. It is. And it comes back into play. Um, uh, I, I, Warlock is being Darth Vader and has a little X-Wing fighting a pterodon. When did somebody say Christopher Nathan Charles Xavier? It's a great question. Because somebody says it and they emphasize Nathan. I feel like it was Franklin. Oh, maybe. You're probably right. And when is he returned? That's another good question. He was there. Let's see. Is this the first time we're getting Christopher Nathan? I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a lot of emphasis on Nathan. And I... Uh, maybe I'm... I thought Cable was in the panel, but I might be wrong about that. So Nathan... As far as we know, that's Mr. Sinister, right? Yes. So at this point, Cable is not Nathan. No, Cable's just Cable. Right. Okay. But I, I didn't know if there was like a seed was being dropped here or if all those conclusions are just forced later. Yeah, it's like 50 names. Christopher, Franklin, <laughs> Summers, Nathan, Dayspring. <laughs> Um, I, I can't find it. Forge says, and the future's still up for grabs. Like Ray said, all of this work must have, might have been for nothing. And uh, Human Torch is like, well, we have a time machine. And Mr. Fantastic's like, well, 
It's not going to work. Turns out we don't have so much of a time machine. <laughs> we couldn't. The the time bubble eh, yeah. won't work. work. <laughs> so forget about that idea. Oh, Phoenix did say, Aunt Sarah once told me how after some Atlantium nutcase named mm. Atuma mm-hmm. had transformed her, being Jean Grey, into a water breather, Phoenix put things right by rebuilding her genes, her from the genes on up. Nothing to go on then but her instinct. Now it's my turn. And that's how he uh, recreates Cyclops and the Invisible Woman, recreating them from the genes up. So that's that's the thing to know about those two. They've been recreated from the genes up. So does that mean that they were completely like vaporized and then rebuilt? Did they die? I think so. <laughs> I, I'm going to say yes. Oh, my Why gosh. Not? It's like that whole storm thing when she was reborn in the, the Shi'ar shark ship's mouth. Yeah. A storm died, and then another storm just carried on. It's crazy. We should have been keeping track of all the times that everybody dies, and it's just like not even really thought of as a thing. <laughs> it's too late for that. Yeah. Somebody else has got to go back and do it for us. So still not seeing. Yeah, so they're armed with the knowledge of the future, and, and now there's no fate but what they make. Future's unwritten, except, <laughs> except there's the whole Rachel conundrum. I still don't see Nate Gray, but I guess maybe Bob or um, Franklin and Christopher Nathan Summers, not Nate Gray. He'll become Nate Gray, won't he? Yeah. Anyways, riding on a uh, Tyrannosaurus warlock. There's a panel of Boom Boom and she's in love with Johnny Storm. Give it a rest. He's married. (laughs) The explanation that uh, Reed Richards gives for the time machine not working also allows them to say, we don't know what the future is going to be. So uh, the only thing we can do is live through it. So Days of Future Past, no longer for certain. We right. don't we don't know. More more wiggle room to tell different stories, I suppose. And uh, Beast offers Storm to join the X-Men. And she says, nah, I got to Or X-Factor. I got to go find the X-Men. Yeah. Want her help? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Nowhere in here is Cable like, hey, I'm from Days of Future Past. <laughs> all that stuff it happened i was there well he's ahab <laughs> he, he wouldn't want to tell them that yeah i don't know and he doesn't know he apparently he doesn't know he's ahab yet sure and he never becomes ahab so everybody's happy and we get a uh final uh scene with gene where she's oh, thinking wait, wait. all her life but before that uh Reed says, should the need arise, don't hesitate to call us. We've been through so much Cyclops. It's left us much more than friends. As far as the Fantastic are concerned, Fantastic Four are concerned, we're all family. Juxtaposed with what we just read in the recent X-Men versus Fantastic Four. You know, that's a weird world. (laughs) Where Cyclops is like, remember that thing you remembered? I guess it was (laughs) Professor Xavier, but still. Remember how we're family? (laughs) Not anymore. You'll remember that we were family, but that's not how. So Jean Grey's alone all her life. Jean Grey's known this old stone house, watched her dad conduct tutorials, made big sister Sarah's life totally nuts, hung out and had adventures with her best friend, Annie Richardson. Do you think Jean Grey's father doing those tutorials was the first internet tutorial YouTuber? (laughs) He was on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like... And now I'm going to show you how to clean a compact disc using ordinary household products. For this tutorial, you'll need a dry rag, Windex, (laughs) four Q-tips, 
I think that is absolutely and a cork. what he did. And Gene's like, Daddy, will you play with me? Not now. I'm filming my YouTube tutorial. For the for the BBS. <laughs> yeah. He he just happened to have a BBS called YouTube yeah. <laughs> that he posted his tutorials on. It has no no, no connection, connection to whatsoever. the YouTube. And in fact it's a coincidence that the two ever existed. Anyway. So she's she's looking at the uh what is this thing even called? The 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 snow globe <laughs> the you called it the holographic oh yeah the holopathic yeah whatever it's essences of phoenix holopathic crystal it's a snow globe <laughs> it's a snow globe that has originally did it have just gene's face or did it have gene and rachel's face so originally it was just rachel and then i thought the phoenix went in and added itself to it I yeah. could be wrong about that. Maybe it was just no. It was the other way around. It was just the phoenix for a while, oh. and it was given given to uh, Mister and Mrs. Gray. And then when Rachel came over, she was all like, "I'm going to add myself to this. You don't know who I am, but yeah, it's important to me." Yeah, and I feel like maybe I'm reading too much into it. But this the snow globe, like when the Grays look at it, they don't actually see Rachel and Jean. I feel like they're just getting like a comforting essence or presence off of it that's how i always interpret it but yeah. who knows so uh gene is just sitting there contemplating looking at this thing uh and she but all gene has to do to know them i guess referring to rachel and the phoenix to grasp this embodiment of past and future and in a way accept it as her present her destiny is pick it up so does this mean if she grabs this, she can get a portion of her Phoenix power back. I don't understand how Phoenix works. No, I don't. I never have. <laughs> I think it just keeps changing kind of story yeah. by story. It's just whoever we want to have the Phoenix power have it. Like, like I thought when, wasn't there a scene in early X Factor when we saw some Phoenix stuff coming out of Jean Grey? I thought there was, but maybe not. Maybe I just made that up. So you didn't read the um, the backup story? No, but if you want to quickly cover it, go for it, man. I'll try it. It does tie into the whole Franklin story. Um, so Jubilee, Psylocke, and uh, Wolverine are hanging out in Madripoor. Wolverine's patch for now, for some reason. Uh, Jubilee's doing like a fireworks show in a park, and Wolverine's like, cut it out. And everybody sees Patch, and they're like, oh, my God, it's Patch. And they run away, and she's like, oh, man, <laughs> you scared away my audience. And then he kind of collapses, and he's coughing because a Evidently, he's still healing from that whole ordeal in Australia, even though this is happening kind of after they've rescued Psylocke. But he can't even smoke a cigar without collapsing a little bit. Aww. It's kind of weird. Um, and it's a lot of words. And then Wolverine goes into this whole um, background about the Professor, about the original X-Men, the new X-Men, talking about the Sentinels. And that's when um, Franklin and Rachel show up and they're like, hey, Wolverine what's up uh and wolverine's like yeah well, all right i thought you were dead but whatever it's cool he even says nobody dies forever he's into it he, he's he's seen this before but even though he does talk about later like well on our first mission thunderbird didn't come back so some people die forever <laughs> even though i think thunderbird's been back a number of times probably uh they even go through the scene where wolverine stabs uh uh, phoenix and she's all she's still kind of mad like celine was turning people into dust don't you remember that that wasn't very nice 
Wolverine's like, we're heroes. We can't just go around killing people. Seriously. Yeah. So she's still holding that, uh, uh, that grudge. And, uh, then, uh, I think it's, even though Wolverine goes around killing people all the time, uh, Jubilee and Psylocke show up and Franklin's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be here. And, and then pops them away. Uh, and then I don't know, Wolverine says, oh, there's a lot of word balloons here. And <laughs> I don't know. Ultimately Franklin brings back, um, Franklin and Rachel have Christopher, um, but they, Franklin ultimately brings back Jubilee and Psylocke and they go off on their way to continue on the story that was in the proper annual. So it was sort of a slice. I wonder if the other ones, I didn't read any of the uh, other ones. So what other ones? So the other backup stories in X Factor or New Mutants. So we'll have to tune into those later and see if they... As far as I'm aware, so the Fantastic Four had two backups that were not related to the story. New Mutants in Marvel um, Unlimited did not have... uh, The the cover promises like a pinup. There's no pinup. I don't think there's a backup story. And then same thing with X-Factor. So I think think this is the only backup story that had a slice. Uh, We do get a really awful um, past and present uh pinup <laughs> with i think it's like crazy looking long shot havoc colossus and wolverine i don't remember who drew this i think it says in the table of contents and then you get an alternate cover uh, at the end which is by Manon. golden oh uh, michael michael, michael golden, golden yeah uh, oh, the Mighty Marvel pinup. Some X-Men past and present in an awesomely, totally uh, a tremendous pinup by Kevin Nolan. It is not awesomely amazing, totally tremendous. That's too bad. You don't see that? You're, you're not in Marvel Unlimited? Or are you in your... Uh... I'm still looking for Nathan's Dayspring, Summers, <laughs> Michaels, Horatio. Which one are you looking at? I, I, ooh, oh, these are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Michael Golden covers... I like the design. It's just, I don't think it's really well executed. I think if you would have given this to um, Art Adams, it would have looked a lot lot better. But I liked what they're going for. I understand why they ultimately didn't use it. The, um, the Michael Golden one is the one with the uh, with Cyclops and Stu Sue Storm as the hound. Yeah. It's actually, I, I actually like it. It's um, it just when I first saw it, the colors were so strikingly annoying that I thought it was bad. I, I think there's... A little bit more inks, maybe some touching up of the colors. But I like, like I said, I like the design. I like the layout. Uh, I think this would have made a, well, it would have been a scary dark cover. I think you maybe get rid of, maybe change the green to like a soft pink or something. Maybe. And it, it would work better for me or something like that. But what do you think about that pinup? The Kevin Nolan one? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not much of an artist, but I, I feel like I could draw a long shot as good as this long shot maybe maybe you could <laughs> maybe you have a career as a yeah, pinup guy yeah, maybe. it's it's not bad i mean it's uh wolverine's i mean th- there's a definitely not great either it's 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 very stylized i he, guess he has a style and you can definitely see that style in wolverine colossus and havoc i will not claim that i could recreate those because I, I think those are actually pretty good but long shot is like really goofy looking <laughs> he does look goofy but he's a goofy dude He's not that goofy. <laughs> so, anyways. Did you find it, Christopher Nolan? No, I couldn't find it. Gateway? We'll never know. It probably wasn't in this issue. It probably wasn't it a different one. Been. 
yeah so there you go uh the takeaways that that i really that were interesting to me were um storm and gambit finally getting to the mansion connecting with the rest of the x-men it's good stuff there uh rachel finally coming out to her parents that they are her parents um i said there was four things that were interesting and that's only two was it one of one of them cable and nomad or ahab mm-hmm. having the same face no that wasn't it oh okay no i don't remember guess we'll never figure it out then i guess 256 pages and and i got two interesting things out of it <laughs> it was i mean it's weird because it seems like it should be more important that and ultimately ends up, I don't think, being important at all. Except for maybe those few points that you talked about. But, oh well. Uh, let's wrap this one up. Yeah, didn't you read Marvel Comics Presents number 52? We'll save it for next time. Aww. All right. Can't cover it in like a minute? Probably could. Just don't feel like it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Uh, four annuals. One episode. Bum, bum, bum. dinger. No letters. So The one you've been asking for. <laughs> yes. Uh, I Honestly, I had been, not, I don't want to say looking forward to reading this, but was curious uh, as to how it would go. Because I think it took me a long time to read that banner of like, oh, this is a Days of Future Past tie-in somehow. So, banner? Yeah, well, where it says Days of Future Present. Oh. I don't know that when I originally bought the X Factor annual that I owned out of that. Oh, because you probably didn't know at the time what Days of Future Present Past was? Oh, no. I I definitely knew what Days of Future Past was. I just think I wasn't reading very closely to where it said Days of Future Present because it's in small text. Oh, so you just picked it up and didn't even realize it was a thing? I think it was like, you know, I had three bucks. I was at the comic book store, and the only title that was interesting to me was this X-Factor annual, so I bought it, uh, read it, and I was like, well, that was weird. (laughs) And then later, much later in life, I was like, oh, Days of Future Present, that must be a tie-in with Days of Future Past. One day I'll read those, and now we have. Marvel was doing a thing where it was like, annuals were and they they did the thing where it was every annual was one like a 12 part story or a nine part story or whatever and then they split up into doing like four part stories they worked I had, better i had the life form one which was daredevil hulk punisher and silver surfer four characters that i would have never picked up it, i was wasn't interested in any of their comics but for one reason or another I got into this life form story and I picked up all of them. It was, it was interesting. They got me. It's <laughs> huh? the moral of the story. Is it's worth doing because I guess they get you sometimes. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not so much of a commitment if you only have to pick up four of these annuals versus like twenty of them. That's true. So, all right. Well, it, um, that's it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us. Uh, please visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Uh, follow us at danger room go or email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com. You can go out to iTunes, subscribe to us, leave us some stars or some feedback uh, or go out to patreon.com forward slash danger room where the party continues as we talk about the current Dawn of X empire X-Men and other modern X-Men things that we don't really understand and lots of pop culture movies and TV show stuff. It's good. Mostly with a horror bent. 
Yeah, it's because that's primarily what I watch. Speaking of which, <laughs> I've got uh, my 2021 movie list started that we'll talk about on Patreon. Can't wait. I'll bet. Better have some good ones. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And Adam, that's it. That's all I got. All right. How about you? I got I got nothing else. Okay. Well, then, until next time. Do my you want name... me to cover Marvel Comics Presents? Right now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Try to close this thing down. All right. <clears throat> until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed.